Hi, and welcome to the Tom VoiceOver Podcast. My name is Tom Jordan, your host, and I'm a professional audiobook narrator and voice actor. And today I'm thrilled to delve into a conversation about the enthralling Mitch Heron series, penned by the talented Steve P. Vincent. Before we dive into that, though, I know that many of you listening might be interested in voice acting, voiceover, or audiobook narration in particular. If you are interested, then I encourage you to do these three simple things. Number one, subscribe or follow this podcast, because not only will I be talking about the audiobooks I've narrated, but I also explore what it takes to be a voice actor in general. And two, head on over to TomVoiceOver.com. I consult on the business side of audiobook narration, not the performance side, but I have sessions available where you and I can talk about what it takes to become a voice actor and if voice acting might be right for you. Also, if you're already a voice actor, I can give you the lowdown on what it takes to be an audiobook narrator. Finally, I have another podcast with really quick three-minute or less episodes called Tom VoiceOver Quick VO Tips. Here, I take all of the audio from the over 500 TikTok videos that I've got, and I created a podcast that will help you understand what it takes to get into voiceover, or, if you're a voiceover artist, help you understand a little bit more about what it takes to be an audiobook narrator. Again, the name of the other podcast is Tom VoiceOver Quick VO Tips. Okay, on with the rest of the episode. Mitch Heron, our protagonist, is a riveting action figure. He begins his journey as a mercenary, reveling in the thrill of the chase and the adrenaline rush of confronting various antagonists across the globe. His employer is a shadowy, enigmatic organization known as the Enclave. However, Mitch is not a static character. Uh, Throughout the course of the series, he undergoes a profound transformation. I won't divulge too much, because few people like spoilers, but suffice it to say, Heron's character evolves in a deeply compelling way across the numerous novels in this series. At present, I'm in the process of recording Book 7, The Crisis Vector, uh, with a total of nine projected books, although there may be more to come after that. Mitch's transformation mirrors that of a well-crafted character in literary fiction. His journey brings him to a place of deeper self-awareness where he develops a keen conscience. He continues his high-stakes work, but his mission shifts to fighting for good worldwide, maintaining his deep-cover identity. I think you'll be captivated by the trajectory his character takes throughout the series. For the past few years, I've had the immense pleasure of working closely with Steve on these gripping novels. Each one is a joy to bring to life. Concise, yet brimming with action, with a runtime of about two to three hours, or roughly 30 to 40,000 words, these are short, sweet, really great action-packed novels. I heartily encourage you to dive into this series, whether through Kindle or the audiobook versions. Each book promises thrilling action, robust character development, and a cast of compelling characters to boot. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to share with you a sneak peek of my current project, The Crisis Vector, with you. This actually releases on Kindle on May 15th. Today is the 13th, so um, by the time you hear this, it will be out on Kindle, and the audiobook version will be out in about a month, maybe less. So without any further ado, here's a snippet from The Crisis Vector by Steve P. Vincent. Mitch Heron's eyes flickered open and he inhaled sharply. Instinctively, he reached for the pistol he usually kept under his pillow, but his hand only moved a few inches. He tried the other, but it too came up short. Finally, his mind caught up with his muscle memory. He was a prisoner, 
cable tied to a metal bunk surrounded by other metal bunks, metal walls, metal closets, and metal footlockers. Damn it. His words attracted the attention of someone outside the door, because a second later there was a shuffle of footsteps and a uniformed U.S. Navy sailor peered inside. Heron locked eyes with the man, a young ensign who looked barely old enough to shave. The sailor didn't acknowledge him, instead ducking back outside and forcing Heron to wait even longer. With time on his hands, Heron did a mental stock take. He was groggy, his head hurt like hell, and he was sore all over. Betrayed by an old friend while trying to escape Hong Kong, he was now prisoner aboard a U.S. Navy ship with no idea how to get free. Most likely, the ensign was on their way to report to his captor, so he might finally get to see who was in charge. It wasn't the most ideal situation he had ever been in, but it wasn't the worst either. Before they'd started wailing on him, his captors had said that the U.S. government wanted a word with him, but Heron had every intention of getting the hell off the ship before that because he was certain that the only thing he'd find back home in America was death. A few minutes passed before a pair of burly guys dressed all in black arrived at his makeshift prison. One was short and broad, sporting a hefty beard. The other man had less facial hair, was taller and a little younger. He knew their kind. Early in his career, Heron had spent a decade with U.S. Special Forces. On missions all over the world, but mostly in the Middle East, He'd been part of a brotherhood, and this newly arrived pair had the look of members. It wasn't hard to spot once you knew the signs, and their eyes gave the pair away, the tall one especially sporting a gaze as cold as an arctic night. Morning, guys. Heron grinned, trying to get under their skin. Which outfit you with? They didn't answer. Instead, Cold Eyes trained a pistol on him while Beardy went to work cutting the cable ties that bound Heron's hands and feet to the bed. The second he was free, Heron mustered all the power he could and shoved Beardy back into Cold Eyes. The stout operative staggered back a step or two, enough to stymie his partner's aim, costing him a clean shot. That was all Heron needed. He kicked out at the leg Beardy had planted to balance himself, a brutal strike aimed at the knee. The joint collapsed, driving a grunt of pain from a hard man who fell to the ground. Heron finished the job with a hard kick to the head, enough to knock the guy out but probably not kill him. He had no great desire to kill U.S. military personnel unless they made him. Cold Eyes had managed to regain his balance and once again had his pistol up, but Heron's hunch was that the pair were under orders not to shoot him. That gave him a chance. He gripped Cold Eyes's gun hand at the wrist, trying to wrench the weapon free and take it himself, but the other man resisted with serious strength and technique. I may not be able to shoot you. Cold Eyes' voice was a disinterested monotone as he dodged a quick jab Heron threw at his head. But I can still hurt you. He caught Heron's hand, squeezed and then bent the joint up so hard it forced him to go down onto one knee to stop his wrist from breaking. He cried out and tried to punch at Cold Eyes' midsection with his other fist, but his captor had a significant size and reach advantage. Heron did land a few blows, but they landed like the pitter-patter of rain against a window. A hammer blow rocked him, taking him right on the jaw and leaving him reeling. A second later, Cold Eyes let go of his wrist. The force of the blow and the loss of the one thing holding him up was a double whammy, sending Heron sprawling. A brutal kick took him in the ribs, smashing the breath from him, then another and another, 
keeping him down on the floor and unable to get back into the fight. It was the same kind of beating you'd find in any bar across America on a bad night. And then it was over as quickly as it started, when Heron had expected the beating to continue. That's enough, Cold Eyes said. You get to live because one of my superiors decided they need you for a job. Cold Eyes had done just enough to put him down, then back off, the sign of a calm professional, which wasn't a good sign for Heron's escape prospects. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that clip. Again, that's an exclusive from The Crisis Vector by Steve P. Vincent. One of the great things about doing these um, novels is that because they're bundled into a series, if you don't want to use your Audible credit for uh, a two-hour to three-hour audiobook, which many people don't, that's okay because you can wait until the series is done and get all three, which would come out to maybe closer to eight hours, for the price of one. So the first series of the Crisis of of the Mitch Aaron series um, bundled into three are available, and the second series bundled into three are also available. If you send an email to tomvoiceover at gmail.com, I will get you a code for one of my latest books. All you have to do is put in the subject line, please give me a code, and I will respond with a code for a free audiobook of one of the ones that I've recently recorded. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, I'm doing these podcasts about every two to three weeks now instead of weekly. And so um, I'll see you on the next episode of the Tom VoiceOver Podcast. 